0: Hello and welcome to the 54th University of Northampton Chronicles podcast. This week our host Hilary interviews guest Sarah Bird, an ITV Anglia reporter for both news and sports across Northamptonshire.
1: Hello, I'm Max Miller, one of the co-presenters for this week and we're also joined by Bilal Khan. Hello, this is Bilal Khan. To start with, here is how Sarah got into journalism.
2: I used to watch... Uh, funny enough, I grew up in Peterborough. I used to watch Ice for News Anglia, and it sounds cliche, but it is true. My mum loves it. She's a proper viewer, fan of the programme. You know, she'll send in a weather picture. She's that person. Oh. Um, and I'm kind of talking out here as well, because there are people here, so I'm not ignoring. Um, so i kind of grown up watching that and just love, just love news. And I suppose I was just a bit... I don't know. I just kind of like talking to people. I like talking. Um and I like listening to people and I'm kind of just interested in things and people. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, what job? What where can I get paid to do that? Um, and it turns out broadcast journalism, well, that's the job really, isn't it? So um when yeah, I was school, nosy, nosy, nosy yeah. stories stories. Uh, yeah. I just if there's a chance to talk to someone, I don't know if I'm even at a shop or wherever, if there's a chance to talk to someone, I'll just take it. I just like that. I don't, you know, I don't really like just sitting on my own in silence. So, um, I guess just because of that. And so, in school, I knew I wanted to do it, and I saved up my money from selling ice creams in a local theatre to um go to ITV Anglia for a couple of weeks' work experience. And I saved up so I could stay in a B and B, which is quite hideous, behind the station in Norwich and i just threw myself in and that was the first place i ever went on work experience and then 10 years later i ended up working for them so um i always i was lucky i always sort of thought i wanted to do it well i know some people come to it a bit later but um yeah i just i just thought where can i get paid to talk to people and then tell their stories so, anyway um, so yeah did you do a degree did you do a journalism degree or did you do a top up or what, what did i you went do? to sheffield university to do an english literature degree um and then but always with a view to i just knew that i i thought that would be really helpful actually writing long essays with complicated words like the most complicated way of saying something turns out it's the opposite of what we do isn't it so It was great, um, but I always knew I wanted to do broadcast journalism. So I stayed there to do a master's in broadcast journalism. And then alongside that, I was working at, I started out at a local radio station called Herald FM in Peterborough. Uh,
1: It was quite nice to hear that someone has a really big passion for journalism, and especially that she got it from an early age. And that's kind of what we want to hear, considering we're um, we're graduating this year. And, and, you know, as well, she also did a, a work experience placement, uh, that we've had to do so i've done mine with bbc northampton and uh which and by another local community radio station called m live or the northampton chronicle and echo and, and i think we've all in some capacity made the most of it i mean and there's things that we've learned and there's things that she's learned from uh, working in places like that as well and the most important thing that I think we've learned from that is she's made contacts that pretty much ensured she would get a permanent job there years later um i think that's something that we've done as well um you know we've, we've definitely made contacts whether they've whether they'll still be there when we graduate or whether they'll be somewhere you know perhaps higher up perhaps you know for example the the editor of the chronicle and echo paul lynch when i was working there he's now working as a data analyst for the bbc so that's definitely a key contact that you want um when you graduate uni so you know someone can say, and I think I got or you know, I don't mean to um you know, big myself up too much here, but I think I got a decent review from when I worked there and I, I think I've had a couple of offers to do work for them, you know, as well. But um it's interesting that, you know, we're doing okay and, you know, she's doing okay and she's actually done quite well for herself considering she got a job there ten years later. But uh, it was interesting to hear how she was having to adapt to new experiences and how she wanted to work for news outlets that wanted uh, the same content uh, that she was doing. Uh, Here's what she had to say.
2: I remember we were at the Grand Prix once. They knew we were there live. They thought, oh, can we take Sarah live into our programme as well? But then you end up, you're doing a piece for them where they would like you to big up a West Midlands case family that you bumped into or whatever. So you've got to do two different versions of that piece for four o'clock to go on Central and there. And then you've got to do a live for Anglia. And then all of a sudden the talk back in your head switches, in your ear, switches to the ITV Central gallery. And oh, hello, Sarah. And then a couple of minutes later, off you go and you're doing a different, slightly different live. They might want slightly less. or And you're just listening to that count. Ten seconds to shut up. That's all I'm visiting. Once I hear ten seconds, I think, okay, I've got ten seconds to wrap it up. End, shut up. And that's kind of my job done. So, um yeah, it's busy, but in, Can you in, still get busy. a rush off it. Yeah. I love it and it, I prefer, like, it, it's prefer it. It's the different challenges. Um, so sitting, I, when I was at IC Meridian, which is down South's version of Icy Anglia, um, I did some, I did a bit of everything, news editing, producing, reporting, presenting, and people always say, oh, because people th- you know, people think, assume, oh, you must all want to be presenters. And, and I mean, it's, I have so much respect for people who do that job, but like, it's such a difficult job even though you've got the cue, I mean, it's it's such an unnatural um, position to be in and to make it look natural is the job. And it's it's amazing, so respect to everyone who does it. I love being out in the field, being, you know, getting rained on, I mean, remind me of that when I'm on the telly getting rained on freezing cold and thinking, why am I doing this? But I love the fact that I'm out there and that things can go wrong. And but because I don't have an auto and because I don't really have a script, I'm just thinking in bullet points in my head, like what three things do I want to say? rather than how exactly am I going to say this? Because if you have an exact plan, I find if you miss one word or if you trip up over something, it can throw you a bit. So I find it's often better to just have, okay, what are my, what are my three main points I want to make? And then it will kind of just come out more naturally if you just speak anyway. But yeah, I, I love it. You, you, I still always, I never go live on air and think to myself, oh, yeah, you know, I'm never thinking about anything else. i never think, oh, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? I'm always thinking, oh, we're going live. You know, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. We were in Northampton uh, a couple of months back and we were about to go live. we had done a wonderful rehearsal, as we often do, and uh, everything had gone perfectly. And then literally they're on the titles uh, of the programme. So they're going to come to us. They're saying, it to you. I'm thinking, OK, great. And then um, bang, the live view, the thing we're using, the tech just dropped out.
1: Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting to hear how she manages to do uh, live news reports and packages um, from pretty much everywhere. And there's some really solid advice I think that was given there. And there's definitely stuff that I think we should take into consideration when we're doing packages and live interviews. And there's definitely stuff that we can definitely relate to because um, uh, last year on one of the news days before we went into lockdown... um, myself and another colleague were supposed to do a live two-way at Northampton Saints and we had practiced it in the studio, we worked out everything, we'd gone over everything and made sure the software was all working. So one of us was in the studio and the other one the other one was out um, just in like the one of the corridors making sure it worked and it worked then and you know we could speak to each other, they could both speak to each other, the presenter and the reporter would both speak to each other and it worked. So we thought great let's go out into the field and you know, let's, let's test it. But um, the minute we got to uh, Franklin's Gardens, and you know, we we got all set up and we did all the, the calling into the studio, it was, we can't hear anything, you know, can you hear us? And we couldn't hear anything that they were saying either. So um, at the time it was a bit disappointing, but, you know, and that we, that we couldn't quite get it to work. But that's something that you move on and learn from. And then eventually... Before we managed to do another one um, live from Sixfield Stadium Um, and it worked, thankfully. Um, But that's what I mean, you move on from these things and you learn from it. But um, Carl, what did you think?
0: Yeah, so um, when she was talking about reporting um, at the Grand Prix, it was really interesting how she was able to create two different versions of the same story based on the location that that report was going out. Um, It was really interesting because it sort of shows how, as a journalist, you can never be comfortable reporting one particular thing. Um, You've always got to be kept on your toes um, because you never know what's going to happen as a journalist. Um, Then she talks about how this is her favourite style of reporting, that she gets a rush from it. Um, You know, you like jumping in at the deep end with, like, you know, in the rain and the wind and stuff, which is kind of fascinating because... For me, that seems like the journalism that I would not like to do. Um, it's sort of, you know, that's the sort of journalism that would give me anxiety, and how she gets a rush from it sort of shows how, sort of, as a good journalist she actually is. Um, but she also sort of comes on to the point about um, when she spoke on the improvisation that she showed at the um, sort of Luton situation when she was in Northampton, having already got her story nailed, you know, she was just about to go live on air, and then the situation changed so the story was Luton, um, and the improvisation she showed on the spot to get her package out early, which gave her two minutes to sort of reorganise herself, um, you know, so she could talk to the guys back at the studio to send her some more information about the Luton situation, so then when the package finished, she actually had something newsworthy almost to talk about because the situation changed, which is fascinating because it sort of, you know, it just highlights how much of a good journalist she actually is.
1: Here's what she had to say on how journalism has changed and advice on how to conduct an interview.
2: So I'll knock on someone's door and they're obviously expecting ITV. And then I turn up and and they're like, oh, are you ITV? And I go, yeah, yeah, that's, I am do, is that it? Are you it? And I'm like, yes, yeah. And they're like disappointed that it's just, it's like this and all my kit. And they're like, oh, can I carry something for you? Like, they, they, they're always like, what is this? They just don't believe I actually work right to I do actually work for to But it just sometimes I look so ridiculous. I've got my, I should have brought it on it. I've got my tripod, my kit. You know what it's like. You've all seen the kit. It's like, there's a lot of it. Um, and then I have my little backpack with only my, like, my spare batteries, my lights and all of that. My rain cover. Always have a rain cover because that will not end well otherwise. Um, and, you know, sometimes I've been filming and you get so, like, you can get really muddy. You can be choked through fields. And then I think, oh, I've got to do my piece to camera. And I say, oh, no. Because I don't, I'll sometimes forget to like, even brush my hair. I just look like, and I'll end up recording one and then watching it back and having that moment of, no, hang on a minute, this has actually got to go on the television. This, is, this, I need to do that again, like, just try and look like a professional person doing this job. But it's a lot to do on your own in the in the time that there is. Because often, you know, like if there was a, this morning I was thinking, always oh, this is when we had, it was just, I got excited. When there's a big storm or something like Beast from the East or whatever, you know, I'll be on Twitter in the morning. Cause Twitter's often the... I'll just see randomly and some of the tra- the transport police had uh locally north Hanson, had, had tweeted saying uh, they always put a road name they said oh road a tree down through a fence I was like oh okay I'll go and have a look at that and I just drove around and it was a massive tree down in someone's garden almost crushing their house I was like, oh, Rushton. Wow. uh it might have been near Rushton it was near yeah. they had a, a garden room that they just had built and it was very very close. they didn't crush it so we were like great so I thought oh well, I'll film that but by the time you've found that on Twitter you tell me the rough bit of the, the, the street or whatever and they can give you a bit of a steer because they know I'm saying that I'm just doing a piece on the storms I just want to go and see some shots of the damage and and they're like okay they're usually quite good with that in the press and got there great pictures once you filmed that and then convince the person whose house it is to let you in their garden film it and then talk to you about You know the fact they heard this massive bang in the middle of the night, and they're there in their slippers, thinking I really don't want to do this, but okay, she's still here. She's wearing a bright pink coat. I'm going to have to talk to her, otherwise she's not going to go away. Then uh, once you've done that, you know the time's ticking on, and it is it is quite a lot when you're on your own without a camera person, and you know let alone the days of makeup. All of you know it's not it's changed a lot. It is it's often mostly self shoot. So you go you find the story. You go to it as quickly as you can. That's why you want to have good contacts. You want to always keep the numbers of everyone you meet, whoever they are. Just keep them because you never know when you might want to bring that person and see. Yeah. Um, and, um, and they can help you out. And then off you go, film it. And then I'd say by about usually two o'clock, I, I would like to have stopped filming would be nice because otherwise any later than that, you might need a bit of edit help or something because you, you're going to be a bit tight for four o'clock. Um, and then send by four. Actually, Cambridgeshire is in the middle of the patch, and that goes on the east and the west. So if you're doing a story in Cambridgeshire, you know you're going to be four o'clock regardless because you might be in the live program as well, but they'll want it for the, for the pre-record. And often ITV Central, who are based in Birmingham, if I'm doing a story in Northamptonshire, they might want it as well. So...
3: As we all know how hard it is for anyone to be in front of the camera and then act normal or sane, I would definitely freak out if some reporter would surprise me with a camera and mic. As a reporter, we should understand that we need to make our interviewee feel comfortable first so that they can talk easily in front of the camera. Always start with a small talk. Introduce yourself. Tell them about what you are doing here and ask them if they want to have a small talk about it. Approach them with a big smile, humble greetings so that you can be welcoming. Having a smile won't hurt anyone judge your surroundings, curate questions that are easy to understand and relatable to the interviewee. Making them feel comfortable, don't call it an interview, make them feel it's a conversation or chat. Don't jump onto the questions, start with something light. Doing such small activities or exercises will definitely help you in your future interviews.
1: That's all from us. Tune in next week when we'll have another guest speaker on Chronicles podcast.